Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Jane Baylor. Jane, welcome. Thank you very much, Amy. Hello, everybody. And Jane is the founder of the Smart Connector. Jane, tell us more, please. Okay. Well, the Smart Connector was a business that I founded about a year ago, and it's really about my passion for connection, communication, influence, and rapport, all of those skills that build a personal brand and a powerful business brand and just make the difference in terms of your business relationships and your success as as an entrepreneur. And what is it about connection that you feel is really important? Well, I am absolutely obsessed with this topic, Amy, and I'll try not to bore your viewers, but I personally think connection and relationships are at the heart of success, not just in business, but in life. I totally um, care about this topic more than anything to the extent that I wrote a best-selling book about it called The Smart Connector. I've launched a podcast, again, called The Smart Connector. And I have a, a mission to empower as many entrepreneurs and people in the wider community to become better communicators and more powerful versions of themselves, because that's what communication and influence and rapport can do for you. So I just love it. It's, it's my passion. And what is a smart connector or who is a smart connector? That's a really interesting question, Amy, because what I realized in the beginning when I hadn't really talked to many people about this is that they brought their own interpretation to it. So a lot of people thought it was about networking, for example. Now, networking and smart connection are clearly, uh, they have a link because you have to be a smart connector in a networking environment, which means that you have to know how to build relationships without just being overtly spammy or salesy. But it's much, much more powerful than, than that. It's really about evolving relationships that bring your business to its very, very best level and your life, of course, and they are inextricably linked. So when I think about my life and my business, I work with the best people. I mean, really the best people, people whose company I just enjoy every second of. And the reason for that is because I have learned how to connect smartly, which means I, I know how to build a relationship that has a lot of value for them as well as for me. So it's all about an attitude of giving first. I think that's really what's at the heart of, of it is giving value, because if you create value for others, then they will create value for you in turn. So that's that's one of the should we say, fundamental principles. And have you always held that principle throughout your business life? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Otherwise, my journey would have been completely different. So this was the result of, should we say, an epiphany or 
a series of very, very difficult and challenging circumstances that really started back when I was a child. And some people know my story, but I came from quite a dysfunctional and alcoholic family. And that meant that when I was growing up, there was certainly no emphasis on healthy communication. In fact, it was completely the opposite because in addiction is, is actually a disease of disconnection and isolation because everybody is trying to hide their secrets from one another. So it's terribly confusing if you're a child in that environment because you just don't understand why everybody's acting so weird and why there are things that seem to be true to you that everybody else is denying. So that was the environment that I grew up in. And of course, equipped with that, should we say, lack of, of communication and insight, I went out into the world and many of the relationships that I then evolved were also very devoid of connection, shall we say. They were marked by manipulation, uh, by I mean, I'm not saying that I was a liar because I've always been somebody who has had a lot of integrity, but I let a lot of people slip through the net. And what that meant is that I was often in a pretty weak and exposed position in my life. And I just realized at some point that this, the penny dropped and I thought, you know, this does go all the way back to my childhood. And I've had very challenging business situations and very challenging personal situations. And it's because I have carried these same thinking and attitudes all the way through from my childhood up until this point. And I haven't put connection and communication and relationships right at the heart of things, which is where they should have been. So that was, yeah, that was the story of my life. And it doesn't mean that I didn't have many successes because I had a very successful business career, but I didn't enjoy it. No way, because I was I just had these people around me. And it, I, I know now that it didn't have to be that way. It was all, all in my head. And you mentioned earlier about you've got the best people around you. How do you find the best people? Who are these people? Well, Literally, everybody that I have worked with or brought into my inner circle, and I do work with partners, that, that's how I love to work. I just build partnerships and affiliate relationships with people. And since I made the decision that people always, always come before profit, I've just attracted the right people to me. And they're just people who have incredible integrity very powerful values and principles. They, they're fun loving, they're relaxed. They, they're just great to work with. And it just comes from a single decision, really. And I think that decision, I often come to a fork in the road. So for example, recently I had somebody offer me a piece of work and I didn't really like the terms by which, it wasn't the tangible terms, it was just the attitudinal messaging that I was picking up on and I turned it down because when I would have accepted it before because I simply have a very simple decision do I resonate with this person and if not there's a reason for that and I just turn the work away and I think because of that 
people tend to come back, they realize that that I I really do care about about this stuff. And they either fade away, in which case they're not my people, or they come back and step up. So that's really been the, the impact of putting connection at the heart of my life. You mentioned that people come before profit. What do you mean by that? So I would never, ever, ever uh, work with somebody that whose values didn't resonate with mine. It, it's that really. I wouldn't align with somebody, uh, either personally or in business, who I felt was greedy, unethical, put money before relationships. I just don't. I just don't like people like that. And I've had plenty of them in my life, plenty, 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 and I just don't want it anymore. And the people that I work with, fortunately, they seem to feel exactly the same way because life's too short. So with the new business, working on the Smart Connector business, you're looking to help entrepreneurs with their influence, their connection and their rapport. What does that mean? How does that manifest? Yeah, I mean, in the context of business, it's really about marketing. So it's about personal and business brand. And there are really three pillars of connection, if, if you like, in a, in a business context. So the first one is its relationship with, with self. So, of course, we all have to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. We have to be our own cheerleaders and motivators, and we have to have a degree of insight and understanding and really like ourselves to go out there and be the most powerful version of, versions of ourselves. So that's alignment, if you like. So if you think about it as A, B and C, and then B is belief. So that's really the messaging side of things and actually how, the how you communicate, whether it is to do with you and your personal brand and values or whether it's to do with, with your business brand. And I actually did, um, I did a little video about this the other day, which is that if you have a, an innovative niche in the market and you feel as though you're first to market because you've developed something that's that's unique then your business brand is really where the efforts have to go and the messaging has to go in that respect if you're in a segment of the market where there's a lot of people who've already proved the concept but you're almost like an also ran then your personal brand really really becomes important and you have to step up and be seen to be a leader in order to attract people to you. So that's the B. And then the C is the connection. And that is where you, if you like, you ignite the relationship between yourself and the wider world. So I personally feel that everybody, whether they have a business or not, they need to be able to communicate and get a message out at scale in order to be just the most fulfilled and powerful and happy versions of themselves, just like you're doing here, Amy, you know, this is, this is all about you, isn't it? So, so actually knowing how to use that, knowing how to work with the technology and the automation to bring your message to a wider world. That's really the, if you like, the third part of, of smart connection in a business context. And it's funny that you say it's all about me because I 
I just knew that I had to get this podcast out there because it's for everyone. I'm just, I see myself as a curator of people's journeys. And just because I feel that everyone has so much to say, and I knew that I could actually help them to deliver that. And I think that's something that you're working with as well, which is where we, we do align. How easy has it been to be your own cheerleader? (laughs) That's a very good question. And the truth is, it's not easy. And anybody that says that it is, I think, is perhaps slightly deluded. I don't really know. I I, I guess I can't I can't really see inside other people's minds. But I think it always it, it always helps to have somebody alongside who is a sounding board, a mentor, a coach just somebody who you can offload to and be the most authentic version of yourself too. Because if you can't express yourself authentically, and that means in a very, very wholehearted way and say absolutely anything, then you won't be the strongest version of yourself when you go out there and you communicate to others. So if you like having somebody behind you, like, like a coach or a, or a mentor, is um, it's really strengthening, a very, very strengthening thing. And most of the successful people that I know, they have one or more coaches and, and mentors to help them with both their business and their personal lives. And you mentioned about the difference between personal and business brands. Yeah. I'm seeing quite a strong overlap with values and delivery of the messaging. How are you finding that they are separating at the moment? Do you mean for, for in general for anybody yeah I just feel that if you're aligned with your own values and, and they're echoed in your company values I see that that's becoming more the trend that you, you as a person you are yes. as much the company as the company I just wondered if you agreed with that I absolutely do agree because our society has become more and more transparent with digital media and the internet and it is no longer possible really to hide behind a corporate brand because people buy people everybody buys people these days and people want to align with the people behind the businesses or the brands because you know we're all socially conscious we have we have values and we want to make sure that if we're spending money with somebody well pe- people like me anyway if i spend money with somebody i would always rather spend money with somebody whose values aligned with my own. So it's absolutely critical. You're you're totally right. And a business brand can also be a personal brand. If you think about somebody like Richard Branson, for example, that's a very good example of that. He is Virgin, even though Virgin also have all their different, different strands and brands. So working with entrepreneurs, are there a particular type of, or what's your, I would say, who's your avatar? Who's your key person that you work with well that's an interesting question isn't it Amy because we're both on the same mastermind together aren't we and that's this was one of the questions that came up yesterday about avatars and how specific you have to get with an avatar and it's it's a very very interesting question and some people say you have to really go into the profile of your ideal avatar and work out exactly what their age is, their occupation, their hobbies, their uh, family, their career, their income level, all of those kind of things. I think that's too prescriptive. 
I personally think when we were talking to Rob yesterday, he said, well, it's just entrepreneurs. He says startup and scale up entrepreneurs. And that's about as far as it goes. I, I don't think I, I think maybe there's a middle ground, shall we say, between being very general like that, which he can be general because he has a very, very well established brand and being very prescriptive. But I think what is important is you've got to know who you're speaking to, who your message is targeted at. So sometimes in a business, you might have three different types of customer or client. And it's very important to know who those people are. But you don't really have to know what they have for breakfast or whether they have dogs or cats, unless you're selling a product that is for dogs or cats. I, I think that's a bit of a bit of a trick, really. I don't know, a bit irrelevant. Do you, would you agree? Well, I have a podcast which is broad and and deep. So there's no particular avatar because people will come and listen to one or they'll listen to all of them. So for for me, it's all about the variety of bringing people into the podcast from different walks of life who are just sharing their relatable, inspiring and uplifting conversations like we're having now that people can take something away. So I don't have that person that lives in this particular house and drives this particular car. And so for me, it's very much a case of, is this relevant to someone? Will someone find value in what is being said? And if so, then I, I'm ticking a box somewhere that somebody's going to take some action from listening to this podcast. And for me, that's great. I think I said in my first one that if somebody listens to these podcasts and they relate to something and they go away and they say, oh, that's me, that's brilliant, that's inspired me or moved me to action, then the mission accomplished. And so for, for us in our businesses, it is just a case of, mission accomplished if we help one person fantastic and we were chatting before we started the podcast and I think the nice thing about podcasts is that they are conversations so it's a bit like earwigging on somebody else's conversation that's one of the things that I love about podcasts but I do think that your topic focus on why as as we were discussing is very relevant to everybody because we all have to stay true to our purpose because otherwise we just drift in life. So I, I love the concept of the podcast and I know you've had a lot of success with it to date. And yeah, it's definitely got my vote. Focus on why. Love it. So that's a perfect segue for me to say, Jane, why are you doing what you're doing? Ah, yes, indeed. Well, so the deeper the deeper purpose behind what I do is my passion for connection. And as I started to talk about earlier, that came from my early experiences. And when I worked in a corporate environment, because I spent 20 years in media and advertising in London, I, I was working at a very high level and it was very, very stressful. And I was working with some very difficult people and I didn't enjoy it. And I think that experience was, it, it meant that I went home every night and sometimes I just wanted to get in and just take a shower because I was so fed up with the manipulations and the behavior of the people around me in that corporate world. It just, it made me, literally made me feel dirty because 
of the way that they were behaving, but I didn't really understand that there was any other way. And when I, well, I ended up running and scaling very, very fast and selling um, a brand identity company to a US communications group called Interpublic. And that was a bit of a crazy roller coaster ride, as you can imagine, because we did grow it from one to six million in a year, which was just nuts looking back, but we did do it. I mean, there was a lot of planning beforehand, I have to say, it didn't come out of nowhere. But in that environment, um, the guy who actually owned the company, he was constantly trying to get one over on me so that he could get more than his fair share of the proceeds of the sale. So he tried to stitch me up with contracts and then I got a lawyer and I found him out and then he got really cross and we were traveling across the world the whole time. So we were, all this was playing out in places like Los Angeles and Prague and all these, all these um, capital cities where we were, we were there attending conferences and developing business and I was there with him. But at the same time, we were just having all these arguments because I knew that he was trying to shark me and I'd found him out. And <laughs> it was just horrible. It was just awful. And at the same time, we'd have to sit through these client um, meetings and meals and, and pretend as if we were the best of friends and people would say things, I just love working with you guys. You're so much fun. It's like, I really, really hate him. <laughs> and um, so... So having had that experience, that was really painful. And I was so relieved to sell that business and to get out of it and to start up a little business from home. But then I found myself in a very, very difficult and challenging relationship with my ex-husband. And I realized that I'd, I'd been too busy really to focus on relationships. And he just kind of slipped under the radar and got into my life. And we have a beautiful daughter between us and he was the stepfather to my older girls and he had a daughter as well so we we kind of held it together but I really did not have a good time in that relationship and then I had a very difficult um, series of events should we say in property because in the property world there are also a lot of very very difficult and dishonest and un unethical people and then as a result of that, I was just so beaten. My husband had run off. He had an affair and disappeared overnight, um, leaving me with the with, you know, the house and the children just completely just like that. And at the same time, all of these things were going wrong in my property work. And I was dealing with these horrible people who really didn't care about me and just wanted my money and. Oh, and just everything had gone so badly wrong that the smart connector really came out of the ashes of that. And I didn't mention my cancer either, but that had been nine years ago. I was also diagnosed with breast cancer. So this was all happening in the backdrop of my recovery from what was a life threatening illness. So the person that you see today is a hundred times stronger than that person. And yeah, it was a real turning point in my life. And I think proof that sometimes the most horrible situations can lead to the most perfect outcomes. And at the time, you wouldn't really believing that, though. No, I mean, I mean, of course, I didn't believe it. I, I just thought my life is is terrible. 
and it couldn't get any worse. And I thought I brought this all upon myself. And <laughs> because you do tend to think those things. And that was another thing. So I had to work very, very hard on my mindset. And I think the start of that journey was really the diagnosis with cancer because I had it quite badly. I had 11 out of 12 lymph nodes affected. So it was serious. It wasn't just a little brush with it. I was given a fairly poor prognosis. And I didn't think that I was going to live to see my children grow up, which is a very frightening thought for any mother. So I absolutely had to get my mind in order over that. I had to conquer my fear. There was, after you've been diagnosed with cancer, there's a, an endless series of checks and tests and scans and all sorts of things. It literally goes on for years. And every time you have one of those or you feel any kind of strange ache, ache or pain, if you didn't tackle that, your mindset, then you would be back in that place of, I'm going to leave my children, that I'm going to die, I'm going to leave my children motherless, their father's awful and I hate him, and um, it's all going to be terrible. And you can't live your life walking around having those thoughts. You really can't. So that's why the, if you like, the connection, the smart connection starts with a, should we say, a smart connection with yourself. That whole mindset and personal development piece is absolutely critical, I believe, for, for everybody. I mean, it's a sad indictment of our society that we're not actually taught any of these skills in school, really. That's what I think. I don't know if you agree with that, Amy. Well, it's been brought up many times on podcasts and I have had other guests who've talked about this very thing and about mental well-being. Can you remember the first book or the first help that you reached out for that set you on the path of, of discovery of self-realization? Well, I was always, I always knew that something wasn't right. <laughs> so, so when I was a, a child, I was pretty, I was pretty fragile emotionally for obvious reasons. So I actually had, uh, I was quite anorexic when I was a teenager and I, I had, let's just say a very misspent youth because I spent as much time as I could out of the house because my home environment was so troubled. So I was out on the streets a lot. I was, when I could, I'd be virtually living around at other people's houses. I, I had some very, very generous um, parents of my friends, I must say, because I more or less moved in with them. And so th this was really how I grew up. And I can hardly, looking back, I can hardly remember any time spent at home. So I naturally, I got picked up by the police. I had a psychologist. I had a social worker. I mean, God knows, I must have been a nightmare. <laughs> I just can't remember. But like many troubled children, it was a very, very difficult time. So by the time I was the late teenager and in my early 20s, I did have mental health issues. I had... Um, I had a fear of, I'm not even sure what this is, but a fear of being in the house by myself. So when I was a student, I would spend a lot of time double checking everybody's movements to make sure that I was never in the house by myself. And I can't even remember why I was so scared of that. But all of these 
all of these difficult and challenging uh, feelings that were really with me for, for quite a long time. Um, and really just the business success and the career success that I had were just, were just masking that. So there's no, there was no one defining time, I would say, or no one defining person. But I'm pretty, pretty obsessed with this, with this topic and I'm a massive reader. So, yeah, there were a lot of influences, a lot. Um, that went into my recovery, including some very, very wonderful psychologists that were provided by the NHS and very, very grateful to the NHS and all of the cancer charities like the Haven in London, which is a beautiful breast cancer recovery centre where all the therapists give their time free of charge. You just go along. It's, it's a beautiful um, former church, all these gorgeous stained glass windows, and you just go along and you have all these lovely treatments. Oh, you know, that that was amazing. It was, I had never, ever had anybody care for me in the way that I felt cared for when I walked through those doors. It was wonderful. And how do you think you managed to survive with such a poor prognosis? You mean a cancer? Mm. Yeah, so... Of course, you have to prioritize your health. So I am a great reader and I'm a researcher. So I read a lot of books and I, I changed my diet completely. So I started more or less having a vegan diet. I mean, I do eat meat and I, you know, I do have, the, have a glass of wine occasionally and chocolate and, you know, I, I, I'm not too purist about this. But basically, I followed the rainbow diet. That is the diet that is recommended for people with cancer or in recovery from cancer. And that all that is, it's fairly simple. It's just eating a lot of different fruit and vegetables every single day so that by the end of the week, you have a huge variety. You've consumed a huge variety of fruit and vegetables. So I usually, I prioritize fruit and vegetables and I aim for eight to nine portions a day and I try and vary them over the course of a, of a week. And that's really all I do <laughs> and take supplements and exercise every day. So it's, there's no, nothing complicated or difficult about it. And it's also just like people that get cancer, it's not their fault. Sometimes lifestyle factors come into it. A lot of the time they don't. I happen to have a quite a significant family history. And so I had the genetic testing and they found out that I didn't have the BRCA gene, which is great because that is very, very bad. If you like, it's very serious. But what they said is that there are many, many, many different genetic mutations that we haven't yet really come to understand. So you just you never know when your time's up. You never know when cancer is going to strike. And if it does, the most important thing is to know that most people do recover. They come out the other side and they don't have a relapse. And that is something that I hung on to. It's been nine years now. I've never had a relapse and I'm fit and strong and healthy. You can probably see from looking at me. I'm happy. I'm enjoying my life and engaging with it fully. And so can anybody when they recover from cancer. And how are you going to continue with your smart connector? What's, what's next on the agenda for you, Jane? 
Well, I'm planning on launching a membership site fairly soon. And because of my background in marketing and because there's a smart connection, as I said, in business, it is a marketing um, concept. Then the it's going to be to do with product launch and, of course, uh, messaging and getting it, it right because the product market fit is really it's, it is smart connection because it's connecting with a target market. So um, that's the thing that I'm going to focus on. And the reason why I'm going to launch that is because I think a lot of people have, we talk about, we hear the word pivot a lot, uh, particularly at the moment, but a lot of people due to the uh, coronavirus um, pandemic have changed their approach to business and they have started to bring on new products and services. So I wanted to really do something that was relatively low cost to support people to do that. And so that's that's what's next. And I'm really, really looking forward to, to doing that because it absolutely breaks my heart when people put a lot of time and effort into launching something that I can tell isn't going to take off. And I can tell that because they haven't worked in marketing for 20 years like I have. And so they, how are they supposed to know how to create or do what in marketing is called new product development according to a process that is proven? They just don't know. They don't know what they don't know. So I thought, well, it would probably be quite good to help them. So that's what's next. So with the evolution of technology and, and the advance of social media, how much has marketing changed in connection with those? Marketing has changed massively, but it's interesting because I think probably you as well as I, Amy, we, we look at what's out there and we see what people are doing and how they're positioning themselves. And I've noticed as a trend for people to say, there's one really annoying ad that says, stop posting on social media. I don't know if you've ever seen that. This is really annoying woman. <laughs> and really, it's... Um, it's all about automation, but it's not just about automation. It's really about three things. First of all, the product market fit, and then the messaging and the benefits and the value that you're bringing to your target customers. And then thirdly, the automation is critical because without the automation, you can't put your message in front of the right people at the right time and in the right way to really make them, well, cut through and give them the opportunity to step up and buy. So without automation, it's hard. And again, that's something that there are people out there and one of my partners on the, uh, the product launch academy, if, if I do go ahead with this and probably by the time this is launched, we will also have launched that. Um, he's a marketer with 30 years experience. so. It's not something that people can learn overnight. They have to, at some point, just make the decision of, am I going to learn these skills? In which case, people can learn these skills, but you have to be, you have to almost have an engineer's um, talent, shall we say, if you're going to become a really good digital marketing person, because it's quite technical, or you have to outsource to people that do, or hire an agency. 
So the, the choice is there, but one way or another, you cannot get away from automation these days because that's everything really, isn't it? Well, not everything, but it's a very important part of it. It's an important piece of the puzzle. And how important is passion for you in your work? So important, Amy. And I I know that this resonates with you, which is why you're sitting here and doing this interview as well today. Passion is, is an interesting debate because people say, do what you love, but there is a caveat, do what you love as long as there's a market for it. Yeah. So you can't just do what you love if someone isn't going to buy it. But these days, because of the potential of digital marketing, it is easier than at any other time in history to monetize your passion. Because what you have to do is just be very smart and actually find people who share the same passion as you. So that's why people can launch podcasts on things like crochet patterns and they'll find a whole tribe of people who are also into designing crochet patterns or something very 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 narrow and niche and you think how on earth can they ever make money doing that but you can do it these days so there's no reason really for anybody to engage with something that they don't feel that they don't enjoy And of course, there are always aspects of your work that you like and you don't like. That the frog eating, isn't there, that we all have to do (laughs) every day, the kind of the tasks. But I think the idea is really to do as little of those as possible and to do as much of the stuff that really fires you up. And that really is the simple formula for a happy life. And you said earlier that you love reading and that you're an avid reader. So what books would you recommend to people who are looking to get connected in a smart way other than your own book because we've already mentioned that one (laughs) well there are so many I, I really hardly know where to start I did an interview with somebody and this was on on Sunday night um who was actually a therapist and we were talking about a book by an author called Johan Harry called Lost Connections I love that book it's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal it's not about business it's about depression and all I can say is that is a really really amazing book because it's life-changing isn't it really it's phenomenal book and I heard it recommended by Stephen Bartlett he recommended it when he was being interviewed by Rob Moore and I immediately bought it there and then and didn't put it down until I finished when I say didn't put it down I didn't stop listening to it because I had it on audible Uh and it's such an incredible journey of of depression and anxiety and the public perception of of that it was truly fascinating how we have become so disconnected as a society it's I remember quite a lot of it which is you know a lot of books come in and out and you you hear a lot but that one I really resonated with and he's written another one called Chasing the Screen but I haven't read that yeah I've read that uh it's not it's not that that's about addiction Mm. it's quite interesting and what it says is that we're all addicts we're kind of programmed to be addicts because we're all thrill chasers and pleasure seekers and that addiction is nothing new it's been with us forever so that's also an interesting read but Mm. Lost Connections was my absolute favorite and 
Yeah, uh, another book that is an absolute classic, and I would recommend it to anybody, is John Bradshaw's Healing the Shame That Binds You. That is a classic in recovery circles. And my ex-husband was a recovering alcoholic and, and drug addict. He used to work in the music business in Hollywood. So it was completely crazy, really. But anyway, um, my brother died of alcoholism. Obviously, addiction and alcoholism is in my family. And that particular book was all about the concept of carriage shame, which is something that you feel as a result or people do feel as a result of growing up in a family where addiction or dysfunction, extreme dysfunction is present. And carried shame is very different to original shame. Original shame is something that you feel when you've done something shameful. So you feel it's a bit like guilt. So you feel, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. That That's shame. Carried shame is when you, uh, you take on the shame that should belong to somebody else because it, it, it's difficult to explain but anyway that's if that's a topic that interests you then I would definitely recommend that book too. I think any book that where you can understand how we operate as society or how we operate in in family uh, and you mentioned dysfunctional families I think most families are dysfunctional in some way um, there's no sort of perfect idealistic scenario what I have noticed is a lot of people who have come on these podcasts have had epiphanies or they've had very dark moments they've had traumas they've had sort of severe near-death experiences before they've managed to find or focus on their why and it's something that I want to be or highlight that it doesn't have to be that you have to have these horrendous experiences to find your passion and work in your passion it, it for me i mean it's taken 40 plus years to get to this point and and only with hindsight do you see all of these sort of dots connecting and for you i can see all of these points where you know, actually you know having that dysfunctional family and and not having that those relationships and the connections has led you to be so passionate about them definitely and i think when you feel passionate about something, it's also very synonymous with a feeling of happiness. You can't be passionate and unhappy. They go together. So the more you can actually live in that, in that zone of happiness and passion, then the more it's going to just make your life feel complete. So my life in many respects feels so much better today than it's ever, ever, ever done before. I'm just really grateful to be alive every day. And it's really interesting to hear what you say about your other guests because, because they've clearly had a similar, similar experience. And I think sometimes you, you say you don't have to go through a lot in order to, to have a, a why. And of course, some people have, everybody has very different experiences. And some of my friends and, and business partners have had nothing like the kind of experience that I've had They've had very loving families in general. They may have had the odd trauma here and there because it's hard to go through life without trauma. But generally, their lives have been, have been good. And I do think it has been my observation that I, I love all of the people that I work with, all of my friends, but I reserve a special place in my heart for people that have been through real pain and real dark times. 
And they are the people that I would always be there for because I understand what it's like to have been in that place. And I think it has the impact of making you so much wiser and, and so much deeper and richer as a person and in terms of your character. So what, what can I say? I just love those people, love those real survivors like me. <laughs> Absolutely. And if any of those survivors would like to get in contact with you, how would they reach out to you, Jane? Well, I'm all over social media, so you don't have to look too hard. You can, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I have a Facebook group called The Smart Connector. I have a website, www.janebaylor.com. And I have a podcast called The Smart Connector too. So any of those channels or YouTube, of course, as well. Fantastic. Well, I'll put them all in the show notes. <laughs> and, and what message would you like to leave the audience with today, Jane? Connection is perfection and never settle for second best when it comes to relationships. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.